Catch us on the web at english.rti.org.tw. Thank you so much for joining us here today at Radio Taiwan International. I'm Andrew Ryan coming to you from Taipei, Taiwan. Up ahead this hour, we're going to have for you Chinese to go. That's a free Chinese lesson brought to you by RTI. Also, we'll have for you hashtag Taiwan, a little look at what's happening on the interwebs of late. And also, we're going to have for you status updates. That's our program in which we interact with you, the listener. And it's hosted by John and Shirley. First up today, here in Taiwan. Today is Tuesday, April 7th, and you're listening to Here in Taiwan on Radio Taiwan International. In the studio today, we have Leslie Liao. Hello. Hello. Also, Andrew Ryan, that's me once again. Hello. Um, and in today's program, we're going to be talking about some very interesting stories. Does the health minister have a twin? Well, he certainly blamed something on his twin. We'll tell you whether or not he does have a twin. Also, masks on Taipei's subway system. Uh, these are now required. And we're going to tell you how many people uh, have refused to wear masks so far. Uh, and apparently, Taipei City says this may have come a little bit too early. And we're going to tell you all about that. Uh, and also another rule that we'll be discussing. No more food sold on the high-speed rail. And uh, we're going to wrap up with the story about a little boy who was given the breathalyzer. All that and more in today's Here in Taiwan. Don't go away. Health Minister Chen Shizhong, we have seen him every single day in all the press conferences talking about the latest statistics in terms of Taiwan's uh, COVID-19 numbers, numbers of people infected, uh, numbers of people who have been tested, whatnot. Now, uh, recently, he found himself in a little bit of hot water. He blamed it on uh, his twin. Uh, <laughs> take it away. I wouldn't say it was it's, it's hot water, actually. It's... Uh People have granted him a lot of leniency because he has just been almost everywhere since the beginning of this pandemic. Yeah, he's probably one of the most popular people in Taiwan right now. His, uh, I've heard his approval rating is as high as 91%. Wow. Yeah. And um, he actually, you know what, he's, he's almost, like I said, he's, he, he's pulled 24-hour days before because he would do his... Um, duties throughout the day, holding the press conferences, and then if there's a charter flight coming back from like Hubei or Wuhan, he'd go to the airport at night to make sure people are being taken care of, and by the time he's done with that, he goes back to Taipei in time for the morning press conference. So people are just like, this guy is kind of like, we, we, people have started calling him the Iron Man Minister, actually, Gang Tie Bu Zhang, is what they call him, and... Some people say, well, the only reason that he can do that and the only possible way he could do all that is if he had a twin brother. 
<laughs> it could be in many places at the same time. That's right. <laughs> and they're and they're just playing the same one health minister. Uh, the other day, I want to say around last week, there was a press conference, and after these press conferences, reporters get to ask questions. And they were about to wrap up one, and then one reporter just shouted from the back of the room. She's just like, you didn't answer our question. I still have questions about this. And he did, I wouldn't say he was very mean about it. He just firmly said, he's just like, you don't have to yell. We can all hear you. Don't have to yell. And that was like kind of the sternest, meanest we've ever seen him. Because up until then, he's just been a happy-go-lucky, nice guy, giving out chocolates during press conferences. Mm. And um, he actually apologized <laughs> for that. Uh, so he wasn't on. really in hot water. I, I kind of maybe misframed that story a little bit there. It sounds like he maybe just uh, spoke a little bit louder than usual. And for you know most of us, that's like barely even <laughs> registers on the Richter scale. Like I said, he's uh, he, people have been. Give him lots of leniency. Mm. And uh, I think if he hadn't been working so hard, maybe the scales would have tipped in a different direction. Mm. But he did come out and say, you know, when my temper is bad, that's actually my little brother. Don't don't mind him. <laughs> my little twin brother, yes. right? <laughs> and does he have a twin brother for the record? Uh, for the record, officially, no. Unofficially, I don't know. <laughs> We're going to assume probably not. <laughs> uh, lest people start uh, spreading this story as uh, some sort of uh, fake news. Well, last weekend was the tomb sweeping weekend in Taiwan. It's a traditional holiday. You know, usually people will head back home and sweep the graves of their ancestors and make offerings to them. Now, this year, I think people were a little surprised, a little taken aback, perhaps, to see the huge crowds of people not sweeping tombs. Uh, but actually having fun. Out and about. Out and about. Um, I should say that this is actually usually a holiday weekend. So even though most people would go and, you know, perform these uh, tomb sweeping duties, they would still go out and maybe do some fun things afterwards. Um, now, we did still see the, the crowds of people in certain hot spots around Taiwan, places like Kanding, the beach resort in southern Taiwan, uh, also Hua. Uh, in eastern Taiwan. Uh, and on Monday, the uh, Central Epidemic Command Center uh, said that the people who were in those crowded places now have to uh, do self-health management, which basically means you have to monitor your temperature every day, wear a mask when you go out in public, avoid po uh, crowded areas. And they actually did um, send out a text message uh, that was targeted, uh, I guess it's cell targeting, so it targeted only people in those hotspots, mm. telling them to avoid crowds, to maintain their social distance of one meter outdoors, 1.5 meters indoors. Um, so on Monday, uh, you know, now they are starting to roll out some new uh, measures, um, some tighter measures, uh, you know, just to make sure that we keep this spread of COVID-19 under wraps. Indeed. Uh, Taiwan so far has done very well. Uh, we want to make sure that uh, we can stay that way. Now, one of the things uh, they are now doing, uh, I believe as of, uh, was it Friday? Thursday. Uh, I think the one of the first days of the Tomb Sweep being weekend is they were now requiring people on Taipei's subway system to wear masks. Have you taken um, the subway since they've uh, rolled out this... I have not. I have not. Okay. Because I just, I don't really travel nowadays, actually, <laughs> in keeping with social distancing. 
Uh, you just go to work and then go back home mostly? Mostly, for the yeah. most part. Now, I haven't seen uh, what the crowds look like on the subways, but I have to say before they rolled out that new rule requiring everyone that takes the subway to wear a mask, I would say maybe 70, 80, even maybe 90% of the people were already wearing masks. Very easily. Yeah, so it wasn't a big... Uh, jump to ask people to definitely wear a mask on the MRT. I actually have worn masks uh, during rides on the subway just because, you know, it's a crowded area. I want to be extra safe. Now, do you know on the very first day they unrolled this, they rolled this out, how many people did they have to stop and tell to wear a mask? This feels like a Taiwan by number, doesn't it? Yeah, it does feel like a Taiwan. <laughs> I would say 900? Uh, 8,000. Whoa. Yes. Now, of those 8,000, you're, you're actually right with 900. 900 of those people decided not to take the MRT um, because maybe they didn't have a mask or maybe mm. they didn't like the rule or felt like they couldn't breathe. Um, I'm guessing most of those people probably didn't have a mask on them because most people were compliant now, uh, they have fined the very first person for uh, refusing to wear a mask. Now, simply refusing to wear a mask is not enough to get a fine. You actually have to not only refuse to wear a mask, you have to, like... Force your way onto force the subway? Force your way onto the subway after being asked not to ride the subway. Okay. Uh, so, basically, it was a 30-year-old woman... Um, and this was on Sunday afternoon at about 3 p.m. She was not wearing a mask when she entered the station at um, the uh, Sun Yat-sen Memorial Hall stop. That's a popular one. It is yeah. a crowded one, too. Uh, it's a very popular shopping area. And she, uh, you know, was told to wear a mask, uh, and she did not do so. And she ran onto the train. And then uh, the police uh, apprehended her when she got off the train at Zhongshan Station. Um, and they handed her a mask, to, asking her to wear it. And they brought her to, assume uh, presumably, the police station. And then they fined her. Now, you can be fined uh, about 15000 Taiwan dollars, which is about, I don't know, 500 bucks US. Just about? Yes. So, I would definitely recommend... Um, Paying attention to this new rule and abiding by it. Oh, yeah. Uh, it seems like the right thing to do uh, for yourself and for others and certainly for your wallet uh, as well. Now, Leslie, you were telling me that uh, Taipei City says that maybe this requirement that everybody wear a face mask, a surgical mask on the MRT um, came a little bit too early. Well, what happened was uh, Taipei City was already mulling. Uh, this kind of mandatory policy. But what happened was the CECC actually uh, announced a blanket ban. So before the, on the day of that, the CECC announced that, hey, you have to wear a face mask on, on subways, Taipei City government actually came out. The deputy mayor, Huang Sansan, said, uh, we're thinking about implementing this kind of um, policy because Taipei has the most comprehensive, the largest subway system in Taiwan. And uh, the reason why they wanted to do it, and they actually wanted to do it on April 9th. And the reason why they wanted to wait until April 9th is because that's when the new face mask rationing system rolls out in Taiwan. Okay. So currently you can get about three masks every seven days per okay. adult. And when the ninth comes around, you actually get nine every 14 days. Okay. So as that's about using one and a half masks every day as opposed to two masks every every 
three days. I'm glad it's you doing the math and yeah. not me. <laughs> and um, so they're saying this is going to be this going to make masks a lot more accessible. And at that point, it would be easier to roll out uh, a mask policy. But as you can see, the CECC acted with a little more uh, urgency, and they kind of overrided the Taipei city government on that decision and said, hey, we're doing this six days early. Mm, okay. Actually, it's interesting. Um, if you get nine masks for two weeks, and assuming you don't use them on weekends, you almost have one for every day. Yep. Which I think is really good. Mm -hmm. Although it's interesting also that the uh, CECC is now telling people how they can sanitize their masks so that they can rewear them. Basically, you just put it in one of those little rice cookers. Yeah. Uh, the the plug-in kind that you... Uh, not, not I don't think it's the electronic kind, necessarily. Um, it's a, a traditional Taiwanese tatong, yeah. like hot pot style rice cooker. Um, and in fact, the, the head of the CECC or the uh, health minister demonstrated how to do it at a press conference. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to bring you some video of that in an upcoming uh, Taiwan Insider. Um, but very interesting to watch. Um, and although, you know, it's interesting, they're saying that they would have rolled out the uh, mask requirement for the subway starting on April 9th, but you don't actually get the masks, your first shipment on the 9th. No. Comes after that, right? Yes. So, well, at any rate, uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, if people um, are able to have enough masks to follow this rule. Although the other thing I should mention, too, is um, when we're talking about purchasing these face masks online, we're talking about the actual surgical masks. Mm. Um, whereas if you wear a cloth mask, those are relatively easy to get right now in Taiwan. You can find them pretty much anywhere. Um, so, and they don't have a specific requirement that you wear a surgical mask on yeah. the MRT. All right. So now we want to tell you about another rule while we're talking about rules. Uh, this one's uh, related to the high-speed rail. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that, Leslie? Oh, yeah. So what happened is uh, one of the great joys of taking train or high-speed rail in Taiwan is actually uh, the lunchboxes, which is what they're very famous for, actually. Mm. Um, this is very, very popular. And the lunchbox always consists of a protein and some rice and maybe a few side dishes. Uh, bian dang. A bian dang. Yeah. And the whole thing was just like, you know, you would used to... My dad used to say he was just like, you know, it used to take like, what, six hours to get from one end to the country to the other. So uh -huh. if you want to go from like the northern city of Taipei to the southern city of Kaohsiung, it's, an, it's a whole day endeavor. Yeah. And... Wait, the only six hours? I remember when I first came to Taiwan, it took eight hours if you went down to Taidong. There you go. <laughs> and um, the thing is, uh, they you'd had you'd have the lunch, and it was it was a, one of the whole parts of the allure of riding the the, the trains here. Oh yeah. Um, now they are halting sales of uh, food and drink on the trains. Uh, Sadness. Bo both on the high speed rail and the conventional rail lines. And the reason they do this is obviously to prevent the spread of any infection. I'm not 100% sure how much this would help considering... they're not stopping people from actually bringing food onto the trains. It's just you can't buy it on the trains, yeah. right? And mm. um, so the, that's what they're saying. This is their, And there's also saying that there's the no, no masks, no ride rule. What I'm more curious about, however, is how will this the new social distancing guideline affect uh, train ridership? 
Okay. Uh, how do you mean? So, like, the CECC came out, and they said you have to be 1.5 meters apart indoors. Yes. Now, does that apply to the train as well, where it's actually pretty cramped? I can't imagine. You ride those trains a lot. Well, yeah. So, I mean, you can't really keep that far of a distance, but they're saying in particular in places um, where you can keep that distance, you should. In places where you cannot keep that sort of distance, then you should wear a mask. Mm-hmm. So, they're not preventing that sort of crowded space you know usage everywhere like outright Mm -hmm. because i think you can't really prevent that in taiwan unless you have a total lockdown right no way um but what i think is interesting is is that for a lot of the train services you can no longer buy a standing ticket so in other words they want to make sure that there's one person in each seat and they know who that person is and that way they can make sure that like let's say somebody on a train uh, you know, is is a confirmed case. Yeah. Then they can trace all of the contacts um, very easily to 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 make sure that they they nip it in the bud and it doesn't spread any farther. Have they confirmed? Have they converted all the uh, the train cards to have? Uh, booking systems or like I think so like I don't think so it used to be on the high speed rail like the last three cars would be um, like first come first serve like free free seating Um, and I think that you could also on the regular trains you buy standing tickets I think they're just not selling standing tickets anymore I'm not sure whether or not um, they're now I think they're just selling tickets um, for the uh, free seating cars as assigned seats. Gotcha. That's my understanding. Um, we should look into it. If we find something else out, we will tell you that. Absolutely. In a future edition <laughs> of Here in Taiwan. Okay, very quickly, in just a moment, I'm going to tell you why they breathalyzed a young child. But first, tell us about how they're going to relax uh, driving limits, uh, I guess age limits on drivers uh, at the upper end of the age spectrum. Yeah, so the interesting thing is when you talk about uh, relaxing any age limits, it's always about the young side. Well, in Taiwan, there's a lot of bus drivers, and they drive these huge double-decker tour buses as well as uh, freight cars. And the thing is, we have 64, uh, we have 3,369 people who are at the age 64 mm-hmm. who drive large vehicles. Now, they have to, they can't drive those vehicles after the age of 65. Okay. And that's going to create big problems for infrastructure and logistics and tourism. So that's why the transportation management regulations. Uh, law is going to get amended, or they're looking to amend it right now. To b- bump it up to what? Uh, they did not say, actually. They just say we can't leave it at 65. Okay. All right. And then finally, today we have a story about um, police uh, in Taichung in central Taiwan who came under fire for breathalyzing a five-year-old boy. Uh, any guesses on why they did this? Uh, I know you know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> well, he accidentally rode his bicycle into an expensive electric car, a uh, Tesla. And uh, so I guess the sobriety test is a standard police tool used in all traffic-related incidents. Uh, and apparently, um, you know, there's people are criticizing them saying, well, why don't you just let the parents you know, settle this out of, you know, why did you call the police? But apparently the person who owned the expensive car uh, needed to call the police uh, in order to uh, get a report so that he could uh, send it through to his uh, insurance mm. folks. He did need a record of it. Um, 
So I don't know. I think it's a little bit strange to have a, a child doing a breathalyzer test. I'm assuming he wasn't drinking under the influence. No, that would be <laughs> that would be something, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I don't know. Like he's still a child. He wouldn't be able to be you know tried as an adult anyway. <laughs> uh, but interesting to see that uh, rule being used on a five year old boy. But he was a good kid. Apparently, somebody posted it saying, "Good kid, you made it through this test." Uh, lucky the boy is okay. Well, that's it for today's Here in Taiwan. I'm Andrew Ryan. And I'm Leslie Liao. Stay tuned for more coming your way on RTI. Welcome to Chinese to Go, the program where you learn authentic Chinese, the Chinese that we use in real life in Taiwan. This week we have a four-day long weekend. Children's Day and Tomb Sweeping Festival are both on April 4th. Tomb Sweeping Festival is a traditional Chinese festival. During the festival, people usually go to Ancestors Cemetery to show their respect while tidying up the graveyard at the same time. People love doing some outdoor activities, but this year the weather is bad. It's been raining recently. Let's listen to a conversation. It's been raining every day lately. I have to carry an umbrella every day. It's really annoying. 是啊,天气好潮湿,应该用除湿机去除湿。Yeah, the weather is so humid that I need to use a dehumidifier to reduce excess humidity. 每年的这个时候都是雨季,雨下个不停,什么时候才可以停? It's the raining season at this time of the year. It's been raining non-stop. When will the rain stop? 至少还要等一个星期,天气才会转晴。We have to wait at least another week before we see the sunshine. 我们还要等那么久,我买的食物要发霉了。We have to wait that long, the food that I bought will go moldy. Alright, let's begin with the first sentence. 最近天天都在下雨。最近,lately,recently,天天。Every day. 下雨, to rain. 雨, the rain. 每天都要撑雨伞。每天, every day. 撑雨伞, to put up an umbrella. 雨伞, umbrella. 实在很烦. It's really annoying. 很烦, really annoying. 烦, annoying. 是啊,天气好潮湿,应该用除湿机去除湿。是啊,天气好潮湿。Yeah, the weather is so humid. 天气, the weather. 潮湿, humid. 应该用除湿机去除湿。应该用除湿机去除湿。We should use a dehumidifier to reduce 
excess humidity. 除湿机 dehumidifier. 除湿 to get rid of humidity or to reduce excess humidity. 除 means to get rid of. 用除湿机 to use a dehumidifier. 用 to use. 每年的这个时候都是雨季，雨下个不停。什么时候才可以停 ？It's the raining season at this time of the year. It's been raining nonstop. When will the rain stop? 每年的这时候 ，at this time of the year， 每年 every year， 雨季 ，the raining season， 季 season， 雨季 ，the raining season， 雨下个不停。It's been raining nonstop， 不停 ，nonstop， 停。To stop. 什么时候才可以停 ？When will the rain stop? 什么时候 ？When or what time? 至少还要等一个星期，天气才会转晴。We have to wait at least another week before we see the sunshine. 至少 at least 等 to wait 一个星期 one week 星期。Week, 天气才会转晴。转 means to turn. 晴 sunshine. 转晴 here it means to see the sunshine. 我们还要等那么久。我买的食物要发霉了。We have to wait that long. The food that I bought will go moldy. 我们还要等那么久。我们 we s 久 long 等。To wait, 我买的食物要发霉了。食物 food 买 to buy 发霉 to go moldy. The food that I bought will go moldy. Welcome to Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host Leslie Liao. This week we're going to be talking about an interview done with WHO Assistant Director General Bruce Aylward and some reactions online that it garnered. Don't go away because you're not going to want to miss this one. This week on Hashtag Taiwan, I once again am coming to you from an RTI studio. Now, for those of you that missed last week's show, I'm doing this because Natalie, Andrew, and I are trying to maintain social distance. Now, as always, I would like to assure everybody out there who misses me that I'm fine. Anyway, the hot topic of this week is the interview clip with Assistant Director General of the WHO, Bruce Aylward, you were shown earlier. Now, for how unusual and bizarre and blatant it was, it drew a huge. Response in the media and online. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, I'll give you an abridged version right now. A journalist from radio television Hong Kong interviews a WHO official. The journalist asks a question about Taiwan. The WHO official pretends not to hear the question. 
The journalist repeats her question. The WHO official turns off the call. Now, Johan Vorster said it best when he said, Wow, that was uncomfortable. My favorite part of the interview is when Bruce Aylward first hangs up the call, leaving the journalist Yvonne Tong to sit there, maintaining an expression perfectly balanced between professionalism, befuddlement, and an emotion that I can only describe as, Did that really just happen? Really? Did that just happen? Is that for real? I'm going to start off with a comment from former RTI English team member Charlie Storer. He posts, Oh, we're just about to go into a tunnel, said Aylward, before his words gave way to an unconvincing white noise. No one is buying into Aylward's charade that he had a poor internet connection. In fact, the only thing people seem to buy is the possibility that Aylward has been bought out by the Chinese government. Now, during my research, I saw a lot of references to a money symbol behind Aylward, and it wasn't until later that I realized people were talking about the WHO flag behind Aylward during the interview. On it, there's an insignia that actually resembles a dollar sign. Now, people might take this as a cynical symbol of how the WHO has been bought out by the Chinese government. Now, Aylward is Canadian, and he, for his actions, he's actually drawn the ire of his fellow Canadians. Peggy Ann Vince says, I live in St. Albert, Alberta, Canada, and I can say we as a people that are informed cannot believe the hypocrisy of WHO not to acknowledge Taiwan's great job in this international pandemic. It should be evident to anyone that they are not part of China. Now, James Kung goes one step further and says, as a Taiwanese, he's the rudest Canadian I've ever seen. This entire fiasco has just been so strange and almost comical that people are memeing the situation. Yolin Xie tagged her friend Sharon Su in a post saying that the entire interview was like when you ask your man, what are we? The joke is that when a girl tries to clarify her relationship with a man, the man just tends to kind of ignore it or walk away. Now, admiration for Yvonne Tong, the journalist, is skyrocketing. People are asking where they can follow her. Now, I actually have her Twitter handle for you right here. It's Yvonne underscore TG. Now, that's all I have for you this week. Until next week, stay safe, stay healthy. And Andrew and Natalie, stay away from each other. Status update. Welcome to Status Update. I'm Shirley Lin. I'm John Van Trieste. Yes, this is the program where we get to your letters about our programs, what you've heard, and what you think about them, and let us know. Um, you know, if there was any technical problems, but also besides that, just you know whether the content is is appropriate or not appropriate, or what you like or what well, you don't like. Our content's pretty appropriate. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, anyway. Yeah, and we also, of course, like to see how you're doing. Right. Check on your status. Mm-hmm. But first, as always, we're going to start with updating our own status. That is right. Oh, wow. Uh, we're into, what, the third week now where we have sort of a, a light news shift mm-hmm. and program shift where there's only two people in the office at any given time. Right, well, right. For the most part. Except for the most part. when we record Taiwan Insider. Well, somebody else would actually stay home and write news stories, too. Yeah, we yeah. do it through email. Right. Um you know, yeah, but, but uh, yeah, social distancing is starting to be a thing here. Yeah, I'm really, 
it's still, it's, I'm still trying to get used to it because it's really just not my thing. Um, I so much prefer meeting people in person. I'm just a, I'm a people person, Mm. (laughs) you know, and it, it really is a pain. And like, you know, for example, this weekend, I'm having some kind of English corner where um, my husband's hosting it. Mm-hmm. And because actually a lot of Taiwanese students, especially college students, really love this kind of thing because uh-huh. they get to practice their English. Right. And um, But um, originally, we we're going to have it at a certain place, indoors. And now um, we open to discussion about whether to have it online. And I know that, you know, because we're having the social distancing and for the sake of precautions, I think it would be better if we do it online. That was yeah. my opinion yeah, that I gave. Yeah. Better to keep everyone safe. Right. But then some of my friends were thinking like, uh, you know, when it comes to inviting their friends to this thing and um, they just think that it's, you know, because we're giving a number to a minimum, maybe mm. I would say maybe 10 um, I don't know, 12 maybe at the most. I don't know. Or maybe even less than 10. And um, But they're saying that it should be... Well, I'm speaking for them because right. I'm think, I guess they think that it's all right with that small number. Yeah, but... So it, what do you think? Um, well, they did say like no groups bigger than 10. So that is sort of the limit. But, you know, again... Really? Um, is that the rule now? Not, not bigger than 10? It's not a rule. Oh, like right. A hard rule. But I think it's like the social distancing. It's a recommendation. recommendation. And over time, they may actually start to enforce it, they're saying. Although there's no timetable. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, so it's just... It's at 10. We hmm. don't want to, uh, you know... We're Risk okay. It. Well, we're yeah, we're okay for now, but better to not make things worse than they need to be. Yeah, better to be safe than sorry. Yeah. Here's the thing. I mean, these are college students, and they're probably not driving to the venue that we were originally going to have. Mm-hmm. So they're probably going to be taking public transportation, and anything right. could happen during that commuting time. Yeah, well, everyone's right? wearing masks now. You have to. Yeah. But um, but you never know. And you said they were college students. There was one case at a dorm all here. Um, yeah. Not that long ago. I'm sure it's still active. Um, so depending on where they go to school, that may also, you know. Yeah. That, that Yeah, that's a thing. It's and not like young people are immune. And, because. And plus, there should, shouldn't they be more tech savvy, generally speaking? Yeah. Used to online communication? Well, actually, my friend's friends, who are these college students, um, they're, he, he, he kind of like ran a survey. And they all said that they were willing to do it on the line using the line uh, social app. Yeah, it's a it's an app. It's not yeah. online as an online. No, it's on right. the internet. I mean, it's a it's an app called Line. Right, right. It's like unless you do phone calls. Yeah, so I you know so I guess they're open to that. Do you except do conference for conference calls online? I didn't know that. Uh, I I've never tried it, okay. but uh, I, you know there are many different other like the Zoom. Zoom's gotten and uh, big, Waybacks yeah. is it? I don't know that. And one. then there's also Google Hangout. Oh, like my friend who works for a company here, um, she's been working home from home since mid-March, mm-hmm. and they use um, Google Hangout for video conferences. Right. Yeah. So hmm. there are all these different, um, I guess, you know, softwares, I guess. You know, yeah, apps, lots of choices. Apps, a lot of choices. But I, we're so used to using this social app line for everything, you know. It's the most popular one out there <laughs> yeah. here, anyway. I mean, the only thing I might have to complain is, like, sometimes you get an echo and then delayed. Yeah. And, yeah, that's why I just don't like these, you know, doing things online altogether, period, I, for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. We've got a week to think about. Well, actually, less than a week. And I just don't know what is best. I mean, if well, I guess... I can guess what your answer is. Yeah. 
Let's do not, it online. Let's not make people expose themselves unnecessarily, you know. Yeah. I don't think there's any great danger, but you never no. know. No. But something like English Corner is more interactive, you know, right. it's more fun that way. And yeah. how do you make it something fun when you do something online? It can still be fun. Um, yeah. I take a language course online. Oh, how has that been working a, out? In a different country. And, uh, oh. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I, I don't think it takes, I mean, since we're on different countries and time zones i don't think there's any way well, to uh, it, true. Face to face. and i guess that's also true more generally like a lot of uh, maybe even most all my relatives and most of my friends i would say live elsewhere not here in taiwan not just in the states where i'm from either in other countries around right. the world so we're kind of i guess i've just gotten used to that and well but yours is more a one-on-one Whereas we're sort of like a group. Oh, you I know? Did a, we had a birthday party the other day on, on <laughs> Zoom. Party. As the first, well, it was a cousin who had a birthday, and yeah? no one can go out, so uh-huh. um, where they are. So everyone, it was like 20 some people. It was great. Wow. It was actually and, kind of fun. And there was a cake and everything? Well, we couldn't eat it, but we saw <laughs> it. We got a good look anyway, and we got to sing happy birthday. Uh huh. I mean,. You're right. There's, there's no substitute for face-to-face contact, but yeah. you do what you can. And it's best, you know, it's best that everyone is safe so that when, when this is over, everyone is healthy and you can get together again. Right. As opposed to someone maybe getting sick and having to stay in the hospital for a long time or something. Right. What if it's just two or three people and meet like at a coffee shop and just make sure that they keep, a, a, what, what is it, one meter distance from That's each other? It's hard to do in a coffee shop, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I feel I, don't know. I feel kind of bad. Like I've had to. I've I've sort of. We've I have some regular meetups with friends, and we've sort of decided to move those online for the time being. Not uh-huh. again. Not many people, but just everyone should stay as safe as possible. Because I I I don't know if you've noticed, but if if you were to go to some of these restaurants or whatever in you know in Taipei, um, some places they turn the air conditioner way up. Like even here at RTI, yeah, it's much colder and freezing here. <laughs> and I think it's all because you know just uh, to keep everyone safe. And I, I think virus don't survive. They survive. I don't know what is it survive. Well, I don't know. They survive pretty much everywhere. <laughs> you would know. You would know. They, right. <laughs> they need to be very very hot temperatures to. Uh, I don't think air conditioning will help do anything. Oh, it's just, okay. Yeah, just keep, you know, you, it's possible to have fun if you just have, everyone has a cheerful attitude. Yeah. So anyway, my husband's decided, anyway, about this English corner this coming weekend, um, that he's just going to wait out. Because who knows, the government might, True. you know, implement new policy. And then before we know it, we all have to do everything indoors. You know, nobody can be out there or whatever. So we've been lucky. My husband is like that kind of person anyway. So, well, yes. So if you don't want that to happen, the best thing to do is make things like this go online. That way we reduce the risk of having to be in lockdown because we've yeah. been lucky so far. Oh, right. If okay. You, if we want to still be able to move around freely, the best thing to do is to try and sort of keep be our... Be obedient. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just sort of make everyone is safe and we get through this and then when it's over we can all be together again yeah the so, sooner i mean you know we, we follow yeah, the rules we follow, the sooner yeah, we can end all can, this yeah okay well <laughs> anyway okay that was a nice fun discussion here but anyway um we're gonna get to your letters now all right yes as always we just love so much to hear from you do keep those letters coming our address is p.o box 123-199 taipei taiwan if you'd like to reach us by email you can write to us at rti at rti.org.tw or leave us a comment on our youtube and facebook pages 
Yes. Okay. So I've got a letter here from Roger Tidy of England.、Uh, it says here, "Hello again. As I'm sure you know, I'm writing to you at a time when the UK is in the midst of a national emergency caused、yes. by the COVID-19 virus." We're thinking of you over there. <laughs> yeah.、Um, at present, more than 1,200 people have died of the virus, and all non-essential shops are closed, along with cafes, restaurants, pubs, theaters, and cinemas, as well as schools and colleges. As I'm over 70, I'm in an especially vulnerable age group that has been told to self-isolate as much as possible. The UK and other European countries, such as Italy and Spain, have clearly not tackled the problem either as speedily or as well as some Asian countries, notably Taiwan, where you have managed to limit the number of casualties and deaths. My report this time is for your broadcast March 30th, and I'm pleased to report that the internet audio quality was excellent. There was a good variety of items on today's edition of here in Taiwan, starting with a discussion about how foreigners regard Taiwanese. This item was provoked by an unfavorable、uh, BBC report, which I believe was later deleted. The problem appears to be that Taiwanese, who are very hospitable, tend to speak to foreigners in English as a matter of courtesy, even when the latter speak Chinese and would welcome the opportunity to practice their Chinese-speaking skill. The second item in the program concerned a Taiwanese man who may have caught COVID-19 while on a trip to Antarctica, and the next item after that concerned the successful con- conservation of Formosan landlocked salmon, which have grown in number from 200 in 1992 to 10,000 now. The final item was a fascinating discussion. About the success of a Taiwanese winemaker, I learned during this item that the Taiwanese government had held a monopoly on alcohol production until 1991, and that the wine that was made by the state was of very poor quality. However, the winemaker discussed in the program has succeeded in improving the quality of Taiwanese wine and has even won two prestigious international awards. Next up on today's menu was ear to the ground. Once again, Andrew came up with a unique left field subject for his program. Which centered around the use of a kitchen timer as a means of keeping a check on how we use or waste our time. <laughs> Such an Andrew thing <laughs> to do. <laughs> Such an Andrew thing, yeah. Okay.、Um, uh, here's more. As usual on Mondays, the broadcast ended with Jukebox Republic, which this time featured the Singaporean singer Stephanie Sun, who surely was covering for the first time since 2011, and who, until I heard this program, was unfamiliar to me. I enjoyed the three vocals featured in the program. Especially the song "Limitless." Best wishes, Roger Tidy of England. We have a letter here from Kazuho Kudo, who is writing to us from Tokyo, Japan. It says here to whom it may concern. I'm pleased to report reception of your station operating on one five three two zero kilohertz in the nineteen meter band from o three hundred to o four hundred hours UTC on March twenty ninth, twenty twenty. Reception conditions were good. One of the strongest stations on the nineteen meter band. Signal strength four four four. That's just SIO, not the full simpo.、Uh, almost perfect readability of the signal, but there was interference from NHK World's Japanese program on one five three two five kilohertz and a Chinese radio station on the same frequency. Uh, overall rating once again a good signal and one of the strongest in the 19 meter band at that time.、Uh, this was uh, somebody. Uh, the location was about 30 kilometers west of central Tokyo.、Uh, once again, this is our March 29th program. It was a Sunday.、Uh, after the、uh, intro, there was Chinese to go, a Chinese language course in which today the teacher Paula Chow taught about、uh, how to say long time no see, have lunch together. I don't think anyone can do that at the moment, <laughs> and we're going home now. Well, that's probably something people are doing,、uh, right. and it's Chinese pronunciation. That was followed by Taiwan by number, Curious John, Stroke of Light, and Feast Meets West, which、uh, had a discussion about washing hands and soy milk. 
Soy milk. An interesting combination. Mm. I hope they weren't washing their hands with soy milk. Well, you know, actually soy is... I remember some Taiwanese man, like years ago, accidentally spilled a bottle of um, soy milk on like the stove. Mm-hmm. And then when he wiped it, it cleaned it of all the grease and everything. Well, that may so, get rid of grease, but I don't think it kills germs. Oh, well. <laughs> That's a different matter. That I don't know. Okay. Um, they introduced a Korean pop song called Wash Your Hands. Very appropriate. And a closing announcement ended, ended out that uh, edition. Of our program. It says, I tuned into your broadcast on the same time Saturday, but unfortunately, I was not able to hear it. Uh, your Japanese program can be heard every day. That's good because you're in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, your English program has different signal conditions on different days. I really enjoyed listening to a- Ellen and Andrew talking about washing their hands on today's Feast, feast Meets West. My family and me like to wash hands with Taiwanese soap, Yuan. I've okay. not heard of that brand. Um, I'm not sure. Huh. I can think of a few brands of Taiwanese soap, but that's not one that I know about. Yeah. Uh, it says, do you wow. know it? Apparently, neither of us do. <laughs> I often visit Taiwan on business once per every three months, so I have many Taiwanese daily necessities bought in Taipei. I love Taiwanese goods, but I love Yuan's botanical soap best. Oh, okay. I wonder where you buy See, that. I've not seen it in any using, stores. Yeah, organic stuff. Wow. Um, I, I think... I might have heard about this brand. Okay. Yeah. Well, I hope that this report will be of value to your technical and programming staff. And if it corresponds with your station log, I'd be pleased to receive your verification QSL. With best wishes, uh, once again, this comes to us from Kazuho Kudo of Tokyo, Japan. All right. Um, Here's a letter from Brian Newell, Logansport, Indiana, USA. It says, Dear RTI, I appreciate your honest and wise reporting on COVID-19 and practical steps to prevent an outbreak. We are just entering into that phase here and will have to face some challenging days. Please do keep up your efforts to contain this virus and prevent it from spreading. The example you set is commendable. Okay, and uh, some of the programs that he heard, Lights Camera Asia um, by Jake Chen, who has already left us um, onto Greener Pastures, by the way. And uh, this one is about Goodbye Dragon Inn. I think that's the name of the movie. Uh, About a silent box office clerk seeking to find projectionist sitting on a chair in projection room 10 on-screen minutes having passed between two different climbs to projection room. Okay, then... um, in the spotlight, it was uh, my program, probably the second part of my program to uh, E.J. So, Sue, actually, my interview with him. Uh, he's, uh, he, he's the founder of Kazuo Craft, which is, uh, specializes in handmade shoes. Yes. And then, uh, then Taiwan Today with Natalie So. Um, it says that uh, it's about a interview with uh, Michael Mulehi, a psychologist, about the difference between anxiety, worry, and fear. Oh, we never, I never get, did get to yeah, you figure should. out the difference between those oh, things. Uh, yeah, go listen to that program. <laughs> okay, and then your program, Time Traveler, John, a Japanese colonial era, uh, 1930s to the 40s, filmmakers, documentaries telling about Taiwan, about Chen Yi Hong, right, film researcher. And then, um, okay, then Classic Shorts with Natalie So. The theme of this, uh, that particular episode was longing for home and loved ones. Du Shun Yan, grandfather of Du Fu. Oh, yes. Okay, and then Ear to the Ground, Masalu Aloha in Taiwan. Uh, two, two newborn babies, one-month-old birthday celebration. Oh, yes, you know, Andrew has a lot of friends who are Aboriginal, uh, mm. who are, yeah, Aboriginal people. 
Well, thank you so much, Brian Newell of Logansport, Indiana, USA. And it's time that we that we sign off. So thank you so much for all your letters. We still love to hear from you. So the address is PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Our email address is rti at rti.org.tw. Remember, you can always leave us a comment on Facebook and YouTube as well. We look forward to reading what you have to say. Yes, until next week, I'm Shirley Lin. I'm John Van Trieste. Goodbye. Stay safe, everyone. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thank you.